Feeling tired? Lose weight. Dealing with depression? Lose weight. Struggling in your marriage? Lose weight. Joints hurt? Lose weight. Crumbling under the weight of systemic sexism? Lose weight. It seems like the answer to every question for women is weight loss. But we know when to spot bull when we see it. So instead of just being sold the lie of weight loss, can we get some help on how to feel good just as we are? The climb to the top feels so good when you get there. Is it just us or can it feel lonely sometimes, even when you're successful? And who defines success anyway? What about life's twists and turns? We've learned a few things along the way, and we're ditching the culture of competitiveness. Bringing together women from different backgrounds to share their stories. Let's do this together. Welcome to Think Tank of Three podcast. Hi, this is Audrey. I think here with Rishia Kennedy, Capsuris, and Julie Holton. We are your Think Tank of Three. Our guest today is Claudine Francois, and we are talking about how to ditch fad diets and put your health first. We are so sick of being told that we have to lose weight to be enough. <laughs> so sick of being told. <laughs> lose weight to be attractive. Lose weight to be good enough. Lose weight in order to be healthy. We aren't shaming weight loss in general, but we are sick of it being sold to women as the solution to every single problem. Today's guest knows this so well, went on a journey to feel better and learned how to take away her aches and pains. In the process, she fell in love with making healthier choices. We're not just talking about weight loss. She now helps women feel great about themselves. As a former CFO of a multinational company, Claudine found herself in a constant state of stress, which led her into a cycle of overindulging and what she later discovered to be harmful foods to her body, when headaches, migraines, sluggishness, inflammation, bloating, leaky gut, weight pain, you name it. She decided to take control by achieving lasting energy and developing the patience to deal with life. She now helps women go-getters find their own Zen with carefully honed practices and lifestyle strategies. Claudine, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you all. You have had quite the path from accountant to health coach. So you started off not trying to necessarily switch industries, but rather trying to figure out how to feel better and take care of your body. So tell us a little bit about the journey from accountant to health coach and feeling better in the process. Yeah, that wasn't really in my plan. That wasn't like the long-term strategy. Let's start off in accounting and then we'll end up in health coaching. It really stemmed from, you know, for anyone who's been in corporate America, a lot of us know how stressful that can be. And that stress really started taking a toll on my body. And of course, like many women, we don't really think of stress as a bad thing. We just think, oh, that's going to propel me to keep going. I'm just going to continue to push, 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 and my body will be fine. I'll be fine. Unfortunately, I, like many women, discovered that my body would not be fine. The stress started taking a toll on me. I, as Rishia mentioned, I had all of the migraines, the leaky gut, all the things, because I thought I could do it all and basically just ignore what my body was telling me. So I was overweight. I was miserable. I had this epiphany. One, that being hungry is counterproductive to losing weight. Hungry is lame. I also, I love food and I love flavor. So like a lot of the common things that you see out there with regards to how women can lose weight, it's like, eat this 
cardboard steamed, tasting bar. Steamed broccoli and spoiled white chicken breast. Gross. Yeah. Pre-made, packaged stuff TV that's dinner, supposed yeah. to be good for you, but it doesn't taste good. And frankly, probably actually isn't even good for you. Exactly. So I was like, this is not going to work for me. If I'm going to find a way to support my body, I have got to do it in a way that has flavor, that has taste, that gets me excited to eat, and then take out all of the inflammatory foods that were causing me the migraines, the weight gain, the bloating, the leaky gut, because I knew I needed to find a way to make it taste fantastic and to make it simple and easy in my lifestyle. Cause how many of us have jobs, husbands, kids, families, we don't have time to be spending all day in the kitchen every day. So I had to find a way to make it work in my lifestyle. And that's really how it started. And isn't that the truth? The number one thing that we need to live in this world as our bodies, but yet it's the last thing I think, especially as women that we make time for. I was just thinking this morning about, gosh, I really want to get back to yoga classes now that we have classes again, thanks to the break from COVID, but it's like, oh, but I don't have time. Like, how do I find time when it's the one thing that I want to do for my body, but there's no time. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and the whole meal prep thing, it is the bane of my existence. I think the, the ladies here have heard me say it time and time again, I do all the cooking in this house. It's not because I'm some great cook. I cook because we need to eat. And then I've got picky kids, which is a whole nother piece of just drama. I reach a point by the end of the week where I'm just like, man, pick something for dinner because I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah. delivery. You know, (laughs) I, I, I heard a woman once say when I, back when my kids were even littler, she said, I don't cook on Fridays and Saturdays. And I was like, oh, that's so wonderful. How can I achieve that? You know, and and that's. And that's what we do. But health coaching, what exactly is health coaching compared to say life coach, therapist, nutritionist? That's a great question. And it's, it's one that a lot of people ask, right? Because you, you hear all these buzzwords, these different terms, you know, when would I go to you versus when would I go to you? So like a therapist can be a psychologist or a counselor. It's basically a mental health professional licensed to help people with different life changes. A nutritionist, which is also a registered dietitian. So if you see the the letters RD, registered dietitian, that's someone who's trained to follow the USDA food pyramid. The USDA food pyramid is very specific in itself. And so they're, they're trained to follow that. And they also follow the specific associations recommendations. So like the lung cancer association or heart association, diabetes, like all of those association recommendations, they would follow those to help someone manage a medical issue through the lens of nutrition. Health coaching is very similar to life coaching in that you're helping someone with a very specific facet of their lives. In life coaching, it could be something related to a career goal or relationship goal or a general life change. But in health coaching, it is specifically health related. And it does take into consideration the two components. It takes in the nutrition component as well as the mindset component. How we view something is generally how we do it. So taking that into consideration, especially when it comes to health and nutrition and how we as women honor our bodies, there is a huge mindset component to it. Let's talk about the big, bad, often ugly D word, dieting. It seems like every single woman I know, if not men too, have been on at least one, if not one unending diet at some point in their lives. Claudine, you are against dieting and I'd love to hear why. What is it about the diet industry that you're working against? 
Ooh, you're asking me a loaded question. <laughs> Welcome it, to the think tank of three. I know. <laughs> let's, let's think this through. Okay. So, <laughs> but let's talk about dieting and the diet and the diet industry because pros and cons to every industry, when we're talking about our bodies and our health and you as a health coach, tell us your feelings on the dieting industry. For a lot of women, it's a negative connotation, right? When you hear the word dieting, there's a negative feeling behind it because it insinuates deprivation. And the thing with deprivation is if you're going to deprive yourself of something, you know, a lot of us know this. You, if I say to myself, oh, I'm not getting to eat chocolate. Okay. I grew up Catholic for Lent oh, every chocolate. year. I would give up chocolate and then come Easter. It's like, I'm going to eat as much chocolate as humanly possible <laughs> in the next Amen. 24 hours. <laughs> you know, when you have this deprivation mentality, you end up going on this binge when you give up the deprivation, right? That's why a lot of people who go on diets have this yo-yo experience because they'll be like, all right, I'm going to go on this diet to get into this swimsuit or to fit into this dress or go on this vacation. And then when I'm done, I'm just going to go hog wild. One, it's not really good mentally for us. It doesn't actually teach us how to support our bodies long-term. That is the issue I have with the dieting industry is that it pushes a lot of women towards these short-term fixes, which are actually more harmful to our bodies physically, but also for our mental, emotional health. How many of us have gone on a diet? We've lost the weight. We get really excited and then we gain it all back and we're just pissed off at ourselves. We start this whole mental berating ourselves. Okay. There's a lot of <laughs> hands and feet being know. raised. <laughs> Yeah, hands I can feet. see there's some stuff we yeah. need to talk about here. <laughs> I put up my hands. I put up my sandals to represent my feet. <laughs> Just I'm everything. Seen right now by Claudine. Yes. <laughs> well, and doesn't the diet industry benefit from diets not working? If I buy into a diet and it works, then I never come back to this industry again. So it behooves them to make short-term fixes not last a long time. Absolutely. You can't make money on something you only sell once. You also had mentioned something, Claudine, before at being hungry is counterproductive. I used to be a decent athlete, <laughs> went through training and everything. But even then in my mind, you're thinking, well, if I'm burning more than I'm taking in, in my head, I think there's part of me is like, yeah, well, if you're hungry, then that means that that's that energy that's burning and you're not feeding into that energy. And I think some people might think, well, you know, I'm, if I'm hungry, then this is a good thing. That means my body is burning up, using up whatever I had, and I might need to get a little bit more, but I'll just, I'll push that off and not realizing that you, your body starts to re respond to that hunger if you don't pay attention to it. Right. It goes into starvation mode. And when you go into starvation mode, it slows down your metabolism because it's going to be conserving. It wants to hold on to the fat. It's right. like, I'm going to need this for energy later. Hold on. It slows everything down. So I would say you're right in that weight loss is the difference between what you take in and what you expend, but there is a way to do it so that you're not allowing your body to go into that starvation mode because we still need nutrients, right? right? right. Our body cannot run on fumes. Um, we still need to support all the functions of our bodies, especially water. I know many of us don't get enough water and I don't want to go off on a tangent on water, but everything in our body happens through water. Yes. And so it's not going to happen if we don't put it in there. Yeah. Star Trek episode that referenced humans as mostly bags of water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I went there, you know, we kind of went away a little bit, but there was something else with regards to dieting, because let's face it, you talked about the, the money aspect If something doesn't work. If it works once, you're not going to keep coming back to it. It's also not about women. Mm, yeah, that is very true because why would you study a woman's body who changes every 28 days? 
changes within the 28 days when you can study a man's body that's the same every single day. So all those popular diets that are out there, they have tested them on men's bodies. They are designed for men's bodies because men's bodies are so much easier. I mean, bless their hearts. They're just the same. (laughs) They're so basic, right? Like how easy it is to have a formula where you don't have any moving constants. The diets are designed for their bodies. And then the worst part is a lot of women will go on a diet with their husbands, right? Or their partners. Uh And they'll see the guy drop all this weight. And then they're like, why can't I do that? And it just makes it worse because we're comparing ourselves to someone, one, for whom this diet was designed, but two, whose body is totally different from ours. And it's not the same formula. You know, it's so interesting. I just had a conversation with my young niece this weekend, who is of the age where she's starting to go through puberty and, and learning about it as she goes, her mom's a nurse. And so they're having these great conversations. And then, um, she spent the weekend with me. And so suddenly aunt Julie has to step in and not know anything about any of these conversations. My young niece has all the pressures of the media and the kids at school and, you know, what women are supposed to eat, what they're not supposed to eat. I asked her actually at one point what her favorite food was, cause we were planning out some, some meals for the weekend. And she said salad, which I love salad. Salad's great. But I'm thinking a little girl, like preteen, she used to say her favorite meal was this fancy seafood pasta her mom would make because it's so good. And I'm thinking now that is a favorite meal. Salad sounds like something the media is feeding her. So here she is, you know, getting really close to having her first period. And she was eating nonstop this weekend, just nonstop. She was hungry all the time and I'm, you know, feeding her healthy foods, but she was like, man, I think this is cause I'm going to start my period soon. And I just thought, and because you keep wanting to eat salad, you need more <laughs> nutrients. Your body needs some fuel countering some of these messages that women and young women get is so hard because who's she going to listen to mom and aunt Julie or all the TV shows and the friends at school and the magazines and TikTok and everything else that's out there. It's so hard. Women. It's not just women. My husband is trying to lose weight and he is eating. First of all, I don't think he needs to. I think he looks just fine how he is, but he, he wants to. So he's eating salad every day for lunch. This guy does not enjoy vegetables. Imagine every single day eating salad with almost no dressing and a little bit of chicken breast. That's like his lunch every day and he hates it. The reason he's eating it is because he's told this is the way you look better to some unknown audience, to yourself, whatever. And it's really horribly sad. I also Mm -hmm. just read an article that talked about how salad is the diet culture's champion, but eating that much raw vegetables, depending on your digestive tract can actually be really hard on your body, create more bloat and you lose energy because you don't have a lot of fuel in those meals. Like salad is great. I, I love a good salad. I'll eat salad every day and be happy with it, but not as the only part of my meal. You need a carb, you need fat. Like your brain is cushioned by fat. Carbs are fuel. You just maybe don't need like the entire loaf of bread at once. It's interesting because Julie, you, in talking about your, your niece, so my son who's hitting 11, approaching 11, by the time this airs, we'll have turned 11. The messages that these kids are getting, they don't necessarily hear everything, right? My son, you say something to my son, and if you haven't gotten it out in five seconds, which is not possible to get out 
all of the information in five seconds. He only caught the first couple of words you said. And so he, some nutritionist came to their school when he was, I want to say in the third grade. And somehow all he heard is fat is bad. That's all he heard. And all of a sudden he sat there and he's like, well, I can't have any fat because fat is bad and I don't want to die. I'm going to have a heart attack. And I'm like, first of all, son, that science has been disproven. Well, not only that, I'm like, dude, this is the time in your life where you literally can pretty much eat whatever you want. Cause you're going to lose that in about five to eight years <laughs> where you're going to really have to pay attention right now. If you're hungry and it's there, put it in your mouth. <laughs> that is um, such but- a good point that the nuance <laughs> is lost, right? It's like saturated fat versus unsaturated fat. Exactly. Are you eating an avocado? Or are you eating a tub of lard? I mean, let's- <laughs> yes. And that, and those were the things Claudine that I was, we were trying to explain to him, but one I'm mom. So mom doesn't know what she's talking about. So <laughs> I don't know why mom. you're even trying to advise me about <laughs> something different than the, than the nutritionist that I met yesterday, what she had to say. That's a difficult thing also to battle with young minds that are very impressionable and dealing with all that other stuff that they're seeing, but not being able to process and understand, like you said, Claudine, the nuance, it's not just all fat, it's specific fats are less healthy than other things. Limit what you're saying, but you can have that cheeseburger today. As long as I don't give you a cheeseburger every single day for the next 30 days. Well, you've got to put that in a soundbite or on an Instagram post. And then you'll get through. <laughs> you can have a cheeseburger, but just not TikTok every day. Dance, the next Reesh, days. You got to do a TikTok <laughs> dance. Do a meme. <laughs> do a gif. <laughs> so one of the things that we have not really talked about, but I know is part of your messaging is that weight loss and health might have nothing to do with food or very little to do with food. Mm, are we talking about stress? Is that where we're going? Yeah. I say this over and over again to the point where I feel like I'm a broken record. And if I could scream it from the highest rooftops, I would. And that is a stressed body will not lose weight. If you think about our evolution of our bodies, let's just go back, back to the days when we were all living in intense and, uh, you know, having to forage for our foods, you know, the stress response was designed to help give us a quick energy burst so that we could get away from danger. The tiger example If we are out hunting and foraging and there's a tiger about to eat us, our body gives us the the cortisol and adrenaline and all this huge energy burst. It's getting from our fat stores that we can run as fast as we can back to the village or wherever we're going to get away from this tiger. And that is what the stress response is designed to do, to take these fat stores and allow us to have that quick burst of energy. Problem is that our bodies don't recognize now that when we're having this argument with our spouse or we're stuck in traffic and cursing all the cars in front of us, that that stress response is not the same. And the, the other challenge is that we are now chronically stressed. Many of us are stressed all the time, because as Julie said earlier, we're not taking the downtime. We're not taking the time for ourselves to, to de-stress, to unstress, to let go or release the stress. And so we're not, our bodies aren't giving us the chance to end the cycle of stress. And because of that, the, the whole purpose of that stress response is that everything else stops. When we have that stress response, all of our energy, all of our available energy is going to getting away from that tiger. It's not handling digestion. 
it's not working with your metabolism. If you see women who are having fertility issues, a lot of times there's a stress thing going on. And if you notice when couples stop trying to have a baby and the stress is gone, all of a sudden somebody gets pregnant is because all of those functions stop when we have this stress going on. So for many of us go-getters out there, you know, as women who are just trying to make things happen all the time, we've got the, the power, high power job, we've got, you know, all the responsibilities at home, schlepping the kids everywhere, you know, all the things we're doing, we're not giving our bodies a chance to release and, and restore and just drop all the craziness. So our metabolism has slowed down as a consequence. And it doesn't really matter what we do. We're not going to be able to lose weight because our body is holding on to that fat stores, those fat stores for dear life. It's like, I'm not letting this go. I'm going to have to run away from this tiger, which happens to be traffic <laughs> or my husband not putting away his laundry. You know, it's like, I'm going to need that for this, uh, this argument. <laughs> we do go through that. <laughs> and then I fall into the trap of, I just can't, I just can't deal with you right now. <laughs> well, we've talked about this on a previous podcast, even when we are not actively doing a task like a mentally, we're doing the mental labor for it. You know, Reese, you get to the point where you're like, I can't, but that's because you've processed so much of it already. Things haven't happened because women and men think differently and act differently within the home. And so like, you just hold on to that stress because it's part of your life. You're, you're thinking about it when you're not thinking about it. And mm. work is the same way, right? At my previous job, if I wasn't at work, I was still thinking about work. I know Julie does that. What? Me? <laughs> She's working on work it or stress. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm at church right now because Claudine's like talking about me and every single answer. She's like, stress this, stress that. And I'm like, oh, bring me to church. <laughs> <laughs> but Audrey, you also bring up a really good point. Men and women are different. Our bodies are different. This habit of stress and how damaging it can be to our bodies. I think about even my business, how in the world can I reduce stress? I know that that's a really big thing. And you said earlier, we often think of stress as a powerful motivator. It's a good thing. So many people I've been saying lately, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. Like, it's really stressful. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's good. We've got work coming in. We've got all these fun projects. But the reality is it's still stress and it's stress on my body. What are some ways, Claudine, that men and women are different? different when it comes to stress? And are there any tips specifically for the women in our audience to address stress or reduce stress? Well, I'm going to start with your first question, which is how are we different? And part of it is physiological. And part of it is how we've been brought up in society from a physiological perspective. There's the two facets. There's the fact that, you know, men were often the hunter gatherers. So they were the ones actually having to run away from the tiger, whereas the women were usually not in that situation. So our bodies weren't as designed to have that constant stress response over and over again. But the second part of that is, is that we tend to not be able to let go of the stress. Mm -hmm. So like we were talking, we have this mental ticker tape going on, right? There's constantly the, all right, whose birthday is it today? And you know, what soccer stuff do I have to pick up for so-and-so, but also that we feel that we are responsible for all these things. How many women do I know that are like, oh no, my husband's got it all happening. I'm just going to sit here on the couch all weekend and watch my shows. I'm like not one of those. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what can we do about it? I mean, one thing is we can do what we were talking about earlier. We can make time for ourselves. And I know that sounds like this crazy far off lofty goal for a lot of women. And I'll get to that, but we can make time to take time out for ourselves. We can do the yoga for me. Yoga has been a lifesaver, not because of the physical aspect of it, but because it gets me out of my head. 
it stops that mental ticker tape. Cause I have to focus on not falling over. Right. <laughs> right. And so you're having like- to focus on your breathing, which we say, like, we have to just breathe sometimes. Yes. And the and breathing is a physiological way to reduce the stress, to stop the stress response. When we get stressed, we start to breathe fast, shallow, fast breaths. If you force yourself to have longer, deeper breaths, that's actually tricking your brain into thinking you're not stressed. I know we say like, just breathe. And it's just, you know, people think Ugh, that's what is that going to do? It actually physically changes our mind into believing that we're not stressed. So breathing is a great way. Yoga is a great way. Taking walks in nature. If you can get out in nature, there's something about nature that actually calms our bodies. Any form of exercise, even if it's like dancing to your favorite music in your living room, that actually helps release stress. So there are Put it on TikTok, Rish. <laughs> <laughs> There are a ton of ways to release the stress. And in terms of making the time for it, I find that when I am less stressed, things seem less hard. Mm, you know, when you, yeah. when you, when you take, when you do make the time for yourself, you're just not as exhausted. So things just happen faster. You actually end up gaining time because you're, you've given yourself a mental break. I'm very aware with the breathing thing. And I often, when I tell someone to breathe, I'll say, breathe, take a deep breath in and out in and out. And I will text that. I know how annoying it is for someone to say, just breathe. Duh, I am breathing. It's like, no, stop. Take a deep breath in and slowly blow it out. I just texted Julie last night, deep breaths. And then I was like, that's not helpful. I hate when people tell me that. So I was four in, hold for four, out for eight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because saying deep breathing is cannibal. It actually was super helpful too. I will say ladies, because sometimes I'm like, don't tell me to breathe. Like I am breathing. I just want all these things that I want. And I want them yesterday. And why isn't anyone listening to me? And I know I need to breathe. (laughs) There's actually a whole book called breath, you know, and it, what you said about the four in the four out the eight, there's so there are different techniques. There are breathing techniques to give you energy. There are breathing techniques to calm you down. There are breathing techniques for sleeping. Like if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, there are so many different ways that you can use your breath to change your physical physiological response to what you're experiencing. Very cool. Just re-listened to our podcast where we returned from our pod fade during the pandemic. And we, you may recall, we started by taking a deep breath and then we became really fixated on it because it actually felt so good and it was unscripted and we weren't planning to do it, but it just, it reset the tone Mm -hmm. of that podcast and this whole season, because we took that deep breath together as we're experiencing this pandemic together. And it really is amazing. I challenge everyone who's listening, like just stop at some point during your day and take a deep breath and see how you feel afterwards. It makes a huge difference. Just breathe. What was yes. that song? Yes, <laughs> that is a song. I love it. I love it. When we have favorite podcast. Faith Hill. I, I was going to say Evans. I'm like, nope, that's the other faith. <laughs> Got that faith. Um, so I want to take a slight tangent. When we first talked before this podcast, we were discussing how damaging the diet industry is, how committed to health you were, how health was really the focus and the aim of what you were doing, which I love because I'm pretty anti-diet. I'm actually like maybe a little crazy on the far wing of anti-diet. When we talked, we were kind of on the same page, but then when I checked your website, I saw, well, there's a lot of tips for losing weight and losing weight is a lot of the time. What's sort of first and foremost with most health coaches, when we talked about that, you had said, it's really hard to get people to come to your business from like an SEO standpoint, when we talk about health. But if we talk about weight loss, 
people sign up? Why do you think it's so hard to be found online if you don't use diet culture language? Well, and it's not even online. It's just in general, women are almost conditioned to respond to the weight loss, probably because it is more tangible. Like you can say, oh, I lost 10 pounds. I lost 20 pounds. I lost 30 pounds. But how many people are going to say, I don't have joint issues anymore. or I don't get migraines or I have more energy, you know? So when, when we're talking about a healthy lifestyle, yes, that will lead to weight loss. But if you say to people who wants to eat kale or, you know, <laughs> It's, it's really, it's typically not the, the way that people are going to come to you. Most people are like, uh, not so much, but if you say to them who wants to lose 10 pounds in four weeks, eating delicious food, then you're getting their attention in a way that they want to hear it. My message in general is about empowering women and helping them to heal themselves from the inside out. It wasn't until I started talking from the perspective of weight loss that anyone actually started listening. We mentioned this earlier. I think Julie, you were talking about it with your niece. We're inundated yes. with pictures of the perfect, and I'm using air quotes, your perfect body. These bodies don't actually exist. They are airbrushed and whatever, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I can take a picture mm -hmm. of me and I can make myself look way different on any app. Right. <laughs> but you know, we're airbrushed into thinking that this is the, the ideal that we should be trying to achieve. But in reality, we should be trying to achieve a body that we feel great in a body that is free from pain, that is free from brain fog or chronic stress or any of the things that women are experiencing. And they just think it's normal. They think it's, oh, I'm just getting older. No, it's that we're not supporting our bodies. And typically many of us are giving to the point of exhaustion. We're giving to the point of mm -hmm. it being detrimental to our bodies. Cause a lot of us are overgivers, right? We think about everyone else's needs before our own. If ours even make the list, right. they're at the bottom. You know, helping women get to the, the ideal body for them with the extra bonus of weight loss. You know, typically when you take all of the things away that are causing the inflammation, the migraines, the leaky gut, all those things, your body then can release the weight because it's not having to deal with this constant catch up of it trying to do its normal maintenance process that, and it can't to answer your question. I found that my message got across by starting at, at the weight loss angle, but in the end, I'm doing the same thing. It's kind of chicken and egg. Where do you start versus the end result is getting us there. Right. You're essentially helping women with where we are today. So culturally speaking, we are only able to pick up the weight loss message, but then maybe once working with you, we're able to switch that to, Hey, my joints don't ache, which I would be down for. Yeah. Well, one lady said to me, she's like, I can breathe now. Like I'm not taking any of my allergy medications because I'm not all stuffed up. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you got rid of that dairy that was killing you. <laughs> See, that's the thing too, is how much are we lacking from a proper education on food? Audrey and I have had a number of conversations, which really led to us wanting to do this topic on this podcast, because there's so much misinformation out there that keeps getting replayed over and over. So even when we think we know what we're supposed to be doing half the time, it's like, oh, I really thought this was good. And, and it's actually really bad. And here's why, you know, just like you were talking about with the breathing issues or with some of my own, you know, digestive issues. And it's like, oh my gosh. So sometimes I wonder, do we even recognize some of the warning signs our body is giving us before mm. this podcast? No joke. We were talking about not getting enough water yet today, headaches, how we're dealing with headaches, migraines. Maybe I should have read the script closer. Like you have all these answers here. It's, it's our body giving us signs that something's not quite right. And it's all about, as you're saying, not the fad diets. It's about really honing in 
on what it takes to be healthy and to treat our body in a way that we feel good as an outcome. Right. Well, and everybody's different. So even if there was a way of eating, you're still going to have to tweak it for everybody. Some people can and can't have certain things. Some people don't have, you know, an inflammatory response to dairy. My husband is one of them. It's annoying. He literally could eat piles of it and be fine. I can't. When we approach food from an individual standpoint versus trying to have a blanket diet that's also created for men, (laughs) we end up in a better place. To Julie's point, we're not taught how to look at food, how to eat, how to think about food. We're just taught lose weight. This might be going a little too far, but there is a, you know, in, in America, it's all about profits. So whatever can make the most profits, I can push all this McDonald's on you. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say McDonald's, but I can push all this fast food on you. And then uh, we can go to your doctor and he can give you all these medications to fix all the problems that are resulting from your bad lifestyle. And it's like, all of these things are pumping you know money into the economy. And I lived in Europe for several years. The focus is much more on quality than quantity. You actually have to apply to have certain ingredients in a food or even certain chemicals, pesticides, all those things you have to apply and you have to show that they are safe. Whereas in the U S you have to prove that they're harmful. There's a, there's a lot of rabbit holes we could (laughs) Oh yeah, that that tells you right there when you hear it's proved that it's harmful versus we proving we're making sure that it's safe. That right there encompasses the <laughs> diet industry, the, the food industry here in America. All. Exactly. <laughs> what would you rather women focus in on when it comes to better health? Well, the first thing I would say is this finding the way to release the stress, finding the way that works for you. And it could be multiple things, right? Like I mentioned for me, yoga is certainly one of the things that gets me out of my head. For some people, it could be meditation, coloring, knitting. You know, I have a sister who loves to knit and that just helps her unwind in the evenings. Just some, something we can do for ourselves. And I think that does two things. One, it does help release the stress, but two, if we do something for ourselves every day, we're subconsciously telling ourselves we are important, that our health matters. And that is a big step for a lot of women because we are so used to putting other people first. The second thing I would say is sleep. I don't know about you all, but sleep seemed to be like the one thing that it was almost a badge of honor to say how little sleep you can get. You know, oh, I can live on four hours of sleep a night. No, you can't. There's a human impossibility. Humans need seven to nine hours of sleep a night to function because that's when your body does all its normal maintenance procedures, right? It is detoxing you at night. And if you are not letting that happen, that's when we start to see a lot of problems kick in. I had a doctor once give me the best example about sleep because when I first started my business, I, there was no time to sleep. (laughs) You don't have to be a business owner to feel that way, whether it's being a mom and any number of jobs or any number of things that we do. But anyway, I would feel like my time for me was at night after everything else was done. And so like, that was my time. I couldn't waste it on sleeping, but I had a doctor who said, look, if your car needed gas to get from A to B, you're not going to let it get all the way down to E and be like, well, that's okay. I can still drive 90 miles to get to where I'm going, but that is literally what we're doing when we don't get enough sleep at night. We are pushing our bodies to keep going without that rest that it needs to actually regenerate, rejuvenate, and all of those things that sleep does for us. But in addition to that, you know, we tend to over-caffeinate when we don't get enough sleep. We actually, studies have been proven when you don't get enough sleep, you reach for the comfort foods. You overeat when you don't get enough sleep because sleep itself is a form of stress 
on the body. If there are women out there who want to lose weight, like the first thing they can do is get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Then you'll, then you'll eat the salad, maybe with some avocado <laughs> on it. <laughs> There's a book called intuitive eating that talks about this a lot. And it talks about eating slowly, savoring your food, savoring the sensations with your food, and also recognizing hunger cues. So many of us don't recognize hunger cues. They can show up like a headache. It can show up like brain fog. And if you don't learn what hungry looks like for you and you don't learn what full looks like for you, you're going to have a hard time moderating your intake of food no matter what, because you don't know what's in your tank to continue beating this analogy like a dead horse. Well, and the junk food, when we eat junk food, it actually exacerbates that problem because you get that quick high and then you get that crashing low. Like when I was in corporate and I do the caffeine thing, right? I have like the huge Starbucks in the morning and then, you know, caffeine acts like, like sugar as well sometimes where it gives you that spike and then you have the crash. And then I'd be like, oh, well now I'm tired. Now I got to eat candy or, you know, big, huge blueberry muffin with tons of sugar in it. And you just keep repeating the cycle. I would think that I was hungry, but really I was just coming down from this crash. So until I started to eat foods that had more uh, sustaining energy, it wasn't until then that I started to actually notice, oh, wait, now I'm hungry. This is what real hunger feels like. We could continue this conversation all day. This has been just an amazing conversation. Claudine, thank you for sharing your insights with us. Before we go, we are collecting advice from successful women in our communities. Is there a lesson that you've learned recently that you wish you had learned earlier in your career? Self-care is not selfish. It Mm -hmm. is self-preservation. And we touched on this, but If I had known earlier in my life slash career that giving myself the time and space to regroup and allow my body to do what it needs to do, if I had known what an impact that was going to have on my health, my energy, then I, you know, that would have changed the last decade or so. From the lessons that you've learned, what advice would you offer to any career woman? I would say that you are the most important thing on your to-do list. And for a lot of women, that's hard to hear because if you make the time to do things that light you up, that energize you, replenish you, if you make those things non-negotiable, you will end up having more time because you won't be exhausted and burnt out. You will have more great ideas because your brain is able to flow. You will have more positive relationships with people because you're not tired and pissed off all the time. So you are the most important thing on your to-do list. Last question. In today's professional setting, what do you think the most important skill for a woman is? Finding a way to love yourself to love all of yourself. So many of us have this inner critic, this voice inside our heads that's telling us all the things we're doing wrong because we so want to do everything right. But if we can find a way to quiet the voice, to love ourselves in all our glory, the way that we are and not listen to all the chirping of outside voices, whether we find a way to do that by you know taking a relaxing bath or doing five minute meditations, or even just sitting in your favorite chair, reading a book, giving yourself the the space, the downtime will make you feel better, it will relax your body and free up your mind for that unicorn space we were talking about, right? So that everyone else can see how wonderful and amazing you are because you are wonderful and amazing. Claudine, can you tell our audience what the best way to connect with you is if they either have additional questions or they're interested in working with you? How should they reach out? Absolutely. So if they go to my website, which is in good clean taste 
com. There's a blog, there's recipes and tips on healthy weight loss. They could also set up a complimentary call with me there on the contact page. So we can game plan how they can lose their next 10 pounds eating delicious food. Claudine, I just want to ask you just real briefly, as we wrap up here, can you give us just kind of a snapshot of when people call you, what should they expect? Well, it's a holistic look at their lifestyle, because as we've discussed weight, food, it's only a part of the equation right? I talk about equations a lot because I've spent 20 some years in accounting. So I guess like the biggest part of the equation could be, are you getting enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you finding ways to de-stress? Because it doesn't really matter what we do on the food angle. If you're not finding this downtime to that gives your body a chance to release the weight, it's not going to work. Thank you so much, Claudine, for taking the time to be with us today. It has been a pleasure, lots of lessons, and we just thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun talking to the three of you. Thank you. And that is all for this episode of Think Tank of Three. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like to hear from, send us a message at thinktankof3 at gmail.com. Subscribe to the Think Tank of Three wherever you listen to podcasts and connect with us online. We blog weekly at thinktankof3.com. Follow us on social media. You can find us individually on LinkedIn and as Think Tank of Three on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Women, click to join our private group on Facebook where we can all share advice and articles. And if you liked what you heard in the podcast, share it. You can find Think Tank of Three on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music, and SoundCloud.